0: We're doing things slightly differently this week, as you can tell. We're sitting down and we're doing an interview, and part of the reason for that is we just have this gift of hosting Carrie with us this weekend, and we'd already asked her to, to lead us in worship, and um, she's a brilliant preacher, but we felt like it was quite a lot to ask her um, to do both, uh, given that she only flew in yesterday morning and arrived at sort of 7.30 into Birmingham Airport, so we really want to take this opportunity to draw out of of her, some of what's in her and what's in her church, because there's so much that they carry that we're just keen that we would catch as a church. Um, and, and I guess the background to all of this is that we're in a series in Acts, as, as the regulars will know. And we last week, we, we did the first 10 verses of, an Acts, of Acts 3, and we saw this incredible story of, of Peter and John healing this lame beggar. And, and we, we said that, you know, you can only give away what you yourself have. And Peter's conviction that he has Jesus enables him to offer Jesus to this man. And what it looks like for this man to receive Jesus is walking, in other words, physical healing, leaping, in other words, uh, joy, and thirdly, praising God, which is a release of worship. And we said we want those things as well. So we have to be, therefore, people who increasingly are learning what it means to carry Jesus with us. The second half of, of this of this. Chapter, then, is Peter's sermon. Now, you'll see this in Acts when we go, as we continue to go through it. Peter never wastes an opportunity to preach a sermon. It's like he, it's like he feels like he missed out so much when he had the opportunity when Jesus, before Jesus was crucified. He's like, I'm not going to miss any other chances. And so there he is, and he launches into this sermon. And I'm sort of fascinated, and we'll get, what we're going to get into with Kerry is this combination, this um, collision in, this, in the New Testament that exists between uh, proclamation and demonstration, The word is demonstrated in this man's healing and then proclaimed. And you see in the church, particularly the church in the West today, we've separated those two things. And there are churches who like one and focus on one, and there are other churches that do the other. And we want to be a church that does both. And part of the reason we want to talk to Carrie is because her church is pursuing both. But before we do.
1: Yeah, firstly, um, we'd love to um, hear a little bit about your story. Um, Maybe that's enough, and then you go, and then I'll ask if Hi. You guys are
2: beautiful. I have to tell you, I promised Nick that I would tell you that we pray for you weekly. Um, Nick and I try to pray for you more than weekly, but our church loves you even though they haven't got to meet you and we put your slide of Trinity Nottingham on our, our little TVs at church and our church believes in you and you should have heard them cheer on your first Sunday. Uh, they know what it's like to start a new church and you guys are so brave. I mean, very brave for following these two. <laughs> You're, brave. You're brave. You're brave for stepping into a new church and a new adventure and just want to say thank you for having me. <clears throat> Somehow I lost my voice during that worship time, so that's when you know you've really had a good time, right? Um, but a bit about my story. I grew up in, a, in Oregon, which is the northern part of the west coast of America, and it's a good place, right, Belle? And um, <laughs> I went to church as a child, but didn't uh, have any kind of relationship with Jesus. I um, must have missed it along the way, but I didn't understand that God was alive. So I thought of Jesus as someone from the past, maybe like in America, we have a president named Abraham Lincoln, really good guy. And he was, uh, his life was taken from him. And then we had holidays. And so I thought Jesus was the same, good guy, life was taken. And then we had holidays and, um, you know. And, and you didn't think of him a few times a year, and, um, but I encountered Jesus as a teenager. My brother came to faith in a really powerful way, and he told me, it's time for you to come to faith, and, and so I did. Um, during a time of worship, just like you experienced this morning, um, I recognized that, that God was indeed alive, and the people around me were singing to someone and not about someone in the past, and it changed everything for me. That's why I love worship. Fast forward later on, I got to work with Johnny and Amy. Actually, before that, I went to college. At
1: um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the difference of the, you know, the sort of uh, the place in which you grew up and then the shift. Yeah. Yeah. So I came into a faith where God was very alive.
2: The church that I came to when I experienced God and worship was was really powerful, big on the demonstration of God, and so we saw things like people getting healed, better from uh, broken bones and all kinds of different things. And I experienced a really vibrant, exciting faith. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had never read the Bible. I didn't know how you were supposed to pray, but my teenage friends and I would march around our high school and shout for God to save our friends, and we were very uh, excited and passionate, Um, but I I wanted to learn about the Bible, and so I went to college, a university, and that was a very conservative, religious university that was really, really strong in the understanding of the scriptures not very strong in the understanding of the demonstration of that stuff. So it was kind of both sides. Then I got very confused because I thought, you know, that all the things that I had done in my early faith was not real, (laughs) and that if you're a real believer, you go in a library and you memorize words like soteriology and (laughs) dispensationalism, which I still don't know what either one of those words mean, Um, and they let me lead a church. and so, so then that was an interesting contrast to um, kind of worshiping God with my mind, but maybe not so much with my strength or my soul. Um, then I met Johnny and Amy. Uh, we both worked at a church called Rock Harbor, and Rock Harbor was on a really cool journey where they were beginning to try to marry this idea of the demonstrated works of God with the living word of God. and the idea of that Jesus is that the Bible is true and it's trustworthy, and we must dig it out um, for our own lives. But we also have to we have to be open to the fact that God is present and moving today through His Holy Spirit. And so, Rock Harbor took me on this beautiful healing journey of marrying kind of that passion for the theology, love of the Word of God that I found in uni, but that those roots that I had of being with my teenage friends and one of them saying, "Carrie, your foot's broken. Well, let's just pray and see if God makes it better." And he did, and I didn't know what to do with that, you know, and it was a beautiful experience. A lot of what Johnny and Amy brought to our church was understanding the work of the Spirit. So that's a bit of my story. Nick and I caught fire um, in, in, that, in that time period, and we got married, and we um, spent a year in Northern Ireland. Just this past, uh, we've been in San Diego for a year, so I guess two years ago now, and a church called Causeway Coast Vineyard. And it was such an amazing experience. And it was that next level of now that we've got the Word of God and we've got the Spirit of God and we're starting to see those play together. And then Causeway Coast Vineyard kind of blew <clears throat> my paradigm out, where then we started to see how that happens not only on a Sunday morning in the front row of church, but on a Monday morning in Tesco's, you know, or on a Tuesday morning at the petrol station and how God. Could use his word and his spirit to begin to invade the city, and that's something CCV is really strong at. So, we got excited and decided to try it in
1: San Diego. So here we are, fourteen weeks in. So maybe just um, about your island experience. Um, give us a, give us one of the hardest parts, and give us the most um, amazing thing that you saw when you were there. What did you learn? What was the thing that you learned? Mm.
2: I guess the hardest part was just moving to another country, something you guys understand. We had really um, great jobs at a really big church and lots of friends, and had been there for 11 years. And so there's that history and stability. And so just packing everything up and moving was such an adventure, but it was so scary. I'm a severe introvert, a recovering introvert. I'm trying to learn how to talk to strangers and things like that. But um, so just, I was afraid of not having any friends, you know, and knowing that we were gonna move again to a new city, that was maybe the hardest piece. Um, the greatest piece was everything. <laughs> of Ireland, that's the most hospital kind people you ever meet. I learned about generosity in ways that I'd never experienced. But I think the biggest learning for me over there was, do you know how when you grow up around church, you, people tell you that God is good? You know, we repeat it, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good, right? And I, I knew that was the right answer, but I didn't believe it in my heart. I was very afraid that my, God's goodness in my life was contingent upon performance or if I did all the right stuff, then he'd be good to me. And if I disappointed him, then all the bad stuff would happen to me. It was kind of a Christian version of karma that lived inside of my heart. And there was a moment, this is going to probably sound really basic to you, um, but I don't have children yet, and so this was profound to me, where the lead pastor, his name was Alan, he just looked at me and he said, what kind of father would I be if I, my daughter Sophie uh, ran out into the street all the time as a child and to teach her a lesson I broke her leg? You know, what kind of a father would I be? And um, he said, I think, Carrie, that you, you're worried that God's trying to teach you a lesson by hurting you but a good father picks up their daughter and just whispers to her, like, you can't run into the street because there's a better way. You know, Daddy will walk you across the street. And it just, it's maybe not as profound for you, but for me, it was this moment when I knew God was a good father. And All we could imagine about a dad, what they're supposed to be, and how even when their kids are crazy and running wild, that he, he just wants to pick you up and And even when he has to say things that are hard, it's because he wants life for you. He wants you to be alive and grow into who you're meant to be. And so I felt like something clicked where I knew God was good, like really good.
0: And even just knowing a bit about Commonwealth, which is the name of your church, and um, what you and Nick are sort of doing as a church, it's obvious that that experience in... In Ireland was was key in terms of even the, some of the strategies that you've employed in planting a church. Tell us a bit about the church and, and what you're doing. Yeah, so we're named
2: Commonwealth because we love England. <laughs> 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 um, no, but yes, also we do. But um, when we Nick and I were getting together often and and praying, you know, God, why why are you having us plant this church in San Diego and what does San Diego need? To hear from us, you know the scriptures talk about us being living letters, and like what what are we writing with our lives, with our community? And it was really clear that God. We felt like over a a season of time, we understood there was two things that God said. I'm sending you to San Diego to do these two things, and one of them is to. It's funny you're talking about this this morning, but our two things you'll read them on our website or whatever is, we're here to just demonstrate that God is good and that God is near. Our culture, I don't know what it's like here, but our culture, I mean, San Diego. People either believe that God is mean, that, you know, why did he let my mom pass away of cancer, or why don't I have a job, or why did God not stop all of these terrible things from happening in the world today, or they think he's good, but he's really far away. Like, yeah, God is good, but he's helping the people with malaria in you know sub-saharan africa and i'm i'm just gonna make it okay by myself over here because god is far and busy and so we're passionate to demonstrate that god is right here and he's so good he's so kind and um so when we were praying about okay great how do you do that we felt like god said and this we just freaked ourselves right out but he said put a put a flag in the ground around healing and we said are you sure? <laughs> is that a strategy? You know, when to have like good, pretty songs or nice preaching or, you know, something that Americans really love. <laughs> nice signs, good graphic design, you know, kids' t-shirts. Like, can we put a flag on that? And he said, no, I want you to put your, invest your time and your hearts into bringing healing to your city. But if you think about how someone might know that God is good and they might know that God is near Healing's a pretty good plan, isn't it? You know, so we've been giving all of our, most of our time and energy to learn how to pray for healing, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. Um, Because if, let's say you had a torn knee that was bothering you for ages, you know, a decade and you have bone on bone and your knee hurts and hurts and hurts and some kind Christian walks up and says, excuse me, can I pray for you? I think God wants to make your knee better. If God did make your knee better, and you woke up the next day, and you didn't have any pain anymore, you would not only know that God's kind, that he cares about your knee just as much as he cares about curing cancer, malaria, or solving economic crises, um, but you'd also know that he's near. He healed your knee, (laughs) and um, so that's what we've been learning about.
0: And you've sort of pursued that. I mean, you and Nick both sort of operate differently around that, don't you? Can you tell us a couple of stories, maybe illustrating the two different ways of, of sort of how you've been pursuing that?
2: Yeah. I, w- I can't wait for you to meet Nick. He's stunning in every way. <laughs> You're just going to love him. He's the best. Um, I wish he could tell this story. But he, Nick has a, a pretty exceptional gifting in what the scriptures call the, the prophetic or words of knowledge. Um meaning Nick has, he just knows things about people that he wouldn't otherwise know because the Holy Spirit tells him, and it's really a trip to watch, you know, we'll be having a date, and all of a sudden I notice he's not like looking at me, he's looking beyond me, you know, hello, and he's like, the Lord just told me that that guy's daughter is sick, and I'm going to go over and pray for her, and he knows the condition, and blah, blah, blah. crazy, Um, it's a crazy life that he lives, but One story just to illustrate this. So Nick begins in Ireland to really press into healing. And how does this gifting that he's kind of discovered God has placed in him, how could he use that to bring life? Um, So we're in Ireland. Often we would spend hours of time. We We couldn't work. We didn't have jobs. So we'd just go out on the street and try to practice these things. And so Nick would go, excuse me, go up to strangers. Excuse me, I'm an American. It gets you so far in Northern Ireland. I don't know like if that's probably a dip here. But over there, they're like, wow, you're an American. So you are. Um, and and they, he would say, I'm an American. My name's Nick. I'm learning to pray. Can I pray for you for anything? And, you know, sometimes they'd say, I'm grand. And we thought that meant yes, but that means no over there. So Nick would start praying anyways. Um, <laughs> And 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 so this one day he's walking past there's a town center and there's a shop in there that's kind of has a lot of new age and uh, even kind of satanic paraphernalia in the windows and um, a bit a bit of a dark shop and there's a young lady going into the shop and Nick charges over there and says excuse me uh, yeah, can I I'm, I'm Nick I'm from America can I pray for you for anything I'm learning to pray and she says no no no. And he said, oh, well, well, but can I ask you a question? Because on the way to praying for her, walking to ask her, he felt like the Lord said that she had the name Irene, Eileen, tattooed on her wrist. And, and he, he said, can I ask you a strange question? Is the name Eileen tattooed on your wrist? And her eyes got really big. And she pulls back her jumper. And sure enough, the name Eileen is tattooed on her wrist. And then he begins to say, um, is that the name of your two-year-old daughter who passed away just this last year? And the woman just, you know, wells up and begins to cry. And he just said, listen, I'm not here to bring pain, but I felt like Jesus told me about Eileen. And he wanted you to know that he loves you and that he has healing for your grief. And that he has, he has a, a, a new season of life that's going to be full of joy for you and hope. So the woman's in bits, you know, outside of the satanic shop in the middle of the street in Coleraine. And then Nick's kind of like, I don't, well, we're in this far. We might as well go the whole way. So he asks her if she wants to open her heart to Jesus and begin to have a relationship with Jesus. And she at that point says yes, you know, because God had intervened in her life. And so she opens her heart to Jesus, begins to pray a prayer to welcome God into her life. And then Nick noticed when she had pulled back her, her um, what do you call it? Yeah, Sweater. Uh, we call them sweatshirts or sweaters, jumper, Uh, pull back her sleeve, that she had some self-harm scars uh, on her arms. And he said, look, I I don't want to be at all insensitive, but I noticed you had some scars on your arm. Would you mind if I prayed that Jesus would heal them? And she says, well, you already knew everything about my life. You might as well pray. And he places his hands on her, her arms and just prays for healing that God would remove those scars. And The strangest thing happens where she, one arm, the scars disappeared right before their eyes, which I had never even heard of this before. I had never considered that God would heal scars, Um, but they did. And the other arm, they didn't. And Nick's, he's apologizing to her a little bit, like, I'm learning, remember? (laughs) I don't know why (laughs) God just healed one of your arms. And not your other arm. And she says, oh, well, I, I know why. She's now I can tell people this is what my life was like before Jesus. And this is what my life is like since Jesus. And holy smokes, right? I told you Nick was stunning. Uh, I mean, Jesus is stunning, right? And it's not anything we used to say at Rock Harbor, no credit, no blame, right? So it gives us courage to be brave like that. and But it also makes us humble that obviously Jesus... As the one who heals, Nick can't take away anyone's scars. Um, for me, I'm a little different than Nick. I, I told these guys, uh, I'm trying to learn that because I think some, the, the gifts are, God is a generous God and that he gives us different gifts, and, but also he lets us access some gifts that maybe we don't even know we have. Or, and so I think it's worth trying. You know, the apostle Paul said, um, eager, eagerly desire the, the gifts, but especially that you may prophesy." So I figured if Paul said we should try it, I would go try it. So we go to dinner, Nick and I, and he says, get, try to get a word from God for the waitress. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be like you. We're ready. We eat dinner, and I made the horrible mistake of sharing with her, like, before the entrees come. <laughs> don't do this. And I, she comes up, and I said, hey, you know, um, we're praying for our meal tonight, and I was praying for you, and I felt like God wanted me to tell you, and I just jump in both feet. I said, I don't know if this is true, but... I felt like God wanted me to tell you that you are an amazing big sister, and that you're paving the way for your younger sister, and she is finding freedom in her life because of your faithfulness, and I just charge on about all of this affirmation of God over this poor waitress, and she looks at me, and she goes, wow, thanks. Um, I don't have a sister. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And uh, we just said, check, please, and <laughs> off we went, but no one died, um, so that's I'm a li- all that to show you. I'm a little different than Nick. Um, I'm not often getting people's tattoos correctly, um, but I, I'm still trying to press into this whole thing of bringing life and bringing healing. I believe that this is, this is the opportunity of every Christ follower is to bring life. Um, and we find our own voice in it, don't we? Just like we find our own voice in prayer. So for me, what I do, um, and I think this is a much easier way to get started, I call it capitalizing on complaining. Um, I don't know what it's like here, but in America as soon as you ask the question, how are you, somebody responds with, I'm good, and then 15 things that are going wrong in their life. I'm good, but I have a migraine, and my two children don't sleep through the night, and I just can't get enough money at my job, and my husband, and blah, 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 blah. And you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, okay, see you later. <laughs> you just, it's awkward, but we're great at complaining. Really, really good at it in the States. Come visit us, you'll see. Um, and I felt like, what if, what if I just, whenever someone complained, I just asked them right there, excuse me, can I pray about that for you right now? Because um, I don't necessarily have a word of knowledge, but they just told me what they need prayer for, didn't they? And so when my friend, you know, how are you? And she says, or the lady at Starbucks, how are you? I'm okay, but I have a migraine. Oh, I know you're working, but can I just say a 15 second prayer that God would make your head feel better? And that's not too scary for me. It's not too scary for her. And then in Jesus' name, I speak to this headache and say, go now. Pain go and healing come. Amen. How is it? And the crazy thing is a lot of people get better. Just from 15-second prayers. And for me, that's something that I can live out sustainably over time and grow in. And it's different than Nick. Um, but if we're all bringing life, we're all doing what we're meant to do, isn't it?
1: It's is amazing. Um, so I'm sure I know that you've prayed for a lot of people that don't get better um, and that you um, yeah you you pray for healing and you know people don't get healed and I know that's a, that's a story a narrative for some of us here. How do you how do you personally reconcile that? Um, and yeah give it, give us a little insight into that?
2: Yeah, I'll just be super honest with you my first six months in Ireland where they made us go out for like eight hours a day, twice a week to try to learn how to pray for people. My first six months, everyone I prayed for got worse. Swear. Like I would pray for this poor, sweet woman's ankle and I'd be like, try it out. How is it? And she'd go, oh, for goodness sakes, it hurts more. (laughs) I don't know. Um, So yeah, there's disappointment obviously for her, disappointment for me, I think on both sides, right? You're disappointed when you're receiving prayer and you don't get what you want. I'm disappointed when you're the one praying and you've stuck your neck out there and, and you don't see what God, you know, what you hope God would do. And I think a few thoughts on this. One, I think anything that's been really meaningful in my life, any anything across the board in my life that matters, runs the risk of disappointment, doesn't it? You know, you go on your first date and it could be really shockingly disappointing or it could be step one towards a future with the person that you you spend the rest of your life with you know it's it's scary uh having kids I imagine is similar where it can be really beautiful and exciting and wonderful and it's worth it but you run that risk of them saying something really horrible to you when they turn 14 you know (laughs) um and so part of me is just determining in my heart that this is worth it um even if not every single prayer goes the way I want it to um I had three shoulder surgeries and got prayer about eight million times and it didn't get healed through prayer uh, instantly, but i I do have pain-free shoulders now through the doctors, and I think one of the things that we teach our team is we believe that healing happens in many ways in Americans we love instant gratification, we love credit cards, we love getting what we want right when we want it um, but healing healing doesn't isn't necessarily a yes and no thing. Uh, healing is a progression towards life and towards healing and towards vibrancy and health sometimes and I always thought if let's say we prayed for Amy let's say her foot hurt really bad and if if I said Amy how bad's your foot and she says 10 out of 10 pain and it goes we pray and we pray and it goes from a 10 to a 9 out of 10 pain is that healing or not I used to think not God didn't make it all the way better she's not running laps and doing a marathon but 9 9 out of 10 pain is better than 10 out of 10 pain isn't it And so, learning to recognize that even the small steps of healing. So, we teach that we believe healing comes in one of three ways. Instantly, this is the guy jumping up with his mat dancing around, and I still believe that happens. I've seen it with my eyes. It's important to believe that that's possible, um, even if it doesn't happen every single time you pray. But there's a second way where healing comes over time, where we see people come back. We have a prayer outreach in the park, and they come back week after week, and they're a a little bit better, and a little bit better, and a little bit better, and a little bit better. And then there's, there's number three, where we can't recognize any sign of change or improvement. And I think part of the beauty of the Christian faith is that we have space for mystery, you know, that we don't have all the answers. Um, and one time I was really disappointed praying for a woman whose ankle got worse after I prayed for her <laughs> or didn't get any better. And um, I felt like God said, Carrie, would you trust me that when you pray for someone, I never do nothing? I know that's a double negative, but God said it to me, so I'm saying it to you. Um, And and the idea that a lot of things that could mean, right? Maybe there's something going on in that person that God wants to heal that's more important than their ankle. Or maybe they are 1% better and not even they can notice the change yet. But if you're like picturing a a ship or an arrow that you're shooting and you, you move it one degree to the right, um, the impact of that will be s- visible and significant over a longer period of time. And so for me, it's just a decision to trust that God knows better than I do, that he's still kind even when we have pain, that and that even if, let's say, one out of ten people I prayed for got better, wouldn't that still be worth it? If I had a shot, like if I was a doctor and I had a vaccine for cancer and one out of ten people became cancer-free, I would probably give it, you know, just because one out of ten getting better is better than zero out of ten getting better right Um, so I don't know if that helps but that's kind of
0: my approach and um, just as we close this part of the service I wonder if you'd share just any encouragement for for us as a church anything you've sensed God laying on your heart or
2: like I said you guys are brave you're a wonderful community full of life and I felt like just the encouragement today is that um, you're alive. God has made you alive to bring life to Nottingham and beyond, and I prayed for you, and there was a picture that I felt like God was showing me, and this could be like the little sister thing, so who knows, but I felt like he was saying that you as a community are a seam, um, like in a garment, like your shirt would have a seam, and what the seam does is it brings two pieces of fabric together, and that you guys are like Like when Jesus came in the book of John, it says the word became flesh and and dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of the Father full of grace and truth. Um, Or the message is a version of the Bible that I like. And it says, you know, the word took on skin and moved into the neighborhood. And you've moved into the neighborhood. And Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. And I think you even have a capacity to handle the tension, right? The seam is what holds your garment together when it's stretched. Um, and I think there's tensions that you face. Faith that God can heal. Disappointment at loss, right? Or um, the abundance of God, the understanding that God is, is is generous and kind and he's enough for you. And there's poverty and there's need, Um and I think the life, the spirit of God that's in you as a community, it's like you ha- you're have you that thread that can pull together, even in your city, uh, that you're going to be the ones grabbing the hand of, of those who don't yet know Jesus and the life that he brings and grabbing the hand of God himself and bringing them together um, and to make that seem strong. You know, this the strength of that thread um, determines the longevity of that garment, right, and and I felt like God was saying that you are strong when you praise anyways. Like your strength, you, God, are my strength and my song, and you have become my salvation. As you keep declaring what you know to be true, even when nothing inside of you is feeling it, um, you have no rival, you have no equal, All now and forever, God, you reign. When you pray like and you worship like you did this morning, you're going to be able to bind up the brokenhearted and bring freedom to the captives, and bring hope to the hopeless, and grace to those who live in shame, and this is who you are. It's not what you're going to try to strive to be, it's who you are, and that's why I'm so honored to be here and learn from you guys.
0: Thank you, Carrie.